today. We have a lot to discuss today, so we're going to start immediately. Let me quickly start the live stream. Right? As I said, um, it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be discussing radical ideas. And it's a great time to be discussing images, right? Mental pictures of a different type of Africa, right? An Africa that we can be proud of. An Africa where we can feel like we are a part of creating, you know, once and for all, right? Compared to this Africa that we just met and have to succumb to the, the, the narrative, right? About what it really is. So today... We're going to be having um, an onboarding session on the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa Series 6, right? It is um, titled The Transformative Economy because here we get to discuss why it is needed at such a time like this. Why are we talking about this now? What does it mean to have a transformative economy? And, you know, as I said, right, it is one of the places where um, where we are discussing the end, right? So that the end can justify the means. We have discussed the means over series one to series five, right? And in series six, we are talking about, okay, so what is all this really about? How do we know we have gotten to the promised land, right? How do we know that we are working towards something that radically affects us, affects our life directly and affects our life collectively, right? In the long run right? How are our little uh, contributions in action for today, right, contributing to the future? What is this future of Africa that we want to see, right? And that is what we discuss plainly in this piece, right? What a transformative economy is, right? If you remember in series two, when we spoke about the, the, the stages of development of the undergraduate communities to be more inclusive, right, for the attainment of this um, um, transformative economy, right? The transformative economy was one of what the stages, right, of evolution. So if we're to evolve as uh, a microeconomy, right, this undergraduate community that we've been focused on, right, the end goal is to become a transformative economy in the large scale, right? So the undergraduate community will become an ecosystem, you know, it will contribute to an ecosystem. But then this is the big, so the transformative economy is the grand plan, right? The, the, what we are looking forward to, the thing that would make all of this work. Do you understand? So all of this relates to what the concept of a transformative economy, right? So let's jump right into um, the piece. Right, so express your excitement. You know, let me know what you're feeling. Tell me what you're looking forward to. If you are ready, just tell me. Go, 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 and um, we'll jump right into today's conversation. Right, don't forget to use the chat box. Don't forget to share your energy with me. Don't forget to um, share your thoughts with me. Okay, I'm already seeing the chats now. Now, one thing I need to quickly establish, right, is um, recently, right, I've had to sit down and analyze all the things that we've been doing and ask myself. Is it actually worth it, right? And one thing I've noticed is I don't think we're taking seriously how, how very necessary we need to take these actions, right? Because it just occurred to me how a lot of us do not know the current state of the economy. We do not know the current potential that our economy holds, and we do not know what we are losing out in the world, right? And that is, that is the framework I'm going to be using to discuss um, this series 
Series 6, the transformative economy, right? That was the framework that I used to develop this piece because I just, you know, it's interesting, right? Um, there's a narrative, right, that um, we are the poverty capital of the world, right? And most people, because, you know, they are still living life normally, they do not understand how this is deeply affecting their, their realities, right? How this is definitely, how this is um, affecting how you think, how this is affecting how much you can do, and how this is affecting how you work, live, connect, grow, and define your own future. So I, I think we need to, you know, one, one major thing I will count as a success for this program is if I'm able to properly highlight why we need to do this now. You know, just a while ago, I was on Instagram and I was watching a video by, um, ah, I don't know why his, his name is not coming to me, to, 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 to me, right? But it was a religious leader and he was talking, he, used about, he talked about this Bible passage about um, when Jesus um, raised Nazareth, um, I said, sorry, he, he raised Lazarus, right, from the tomb, right? And how Jesus prayed and then he asked them to what to move the stone, right? It was a message about taking the right, um, taking positive political actions, irregardless of our religion, tribe, or political interest. But this is the time for positive action, right? If we as young people do not take positive action in this time and season, let us just forget about our, our future. The next opportunity will come what, with the next generation, which will be your children. And I don't think I want to wait for that. Do you understand? So that is why we need more people, right, to connect to these ideas. I'm not saying my ideas are the ultimate or they are, you know, the finality or the finite choice. No, I'm just saying these ideas at least steer people in the right direction that they need to start asking the right questions or it starts to steer them in the fundamental principles that they need to address to be able to solve this problem. So please, guys, the application link is still open to tomorrow night. Share with leaders across universities. We need more people invested in this. When we start the major campaigns, you understand why I'm saying this. I'm not looking for the popularity, the fame, or the clout. No, no, no. We just need more people to be aware of this. And not just aware, but also devoted and committed to what? Concerted action. Let me simplify the English. We need people to act now. Our parents had the same opportunity as young people, and then they were complacent, right? And this is why we are where we are today. I don't think I want to settle into that, right? I have way too much aspirations and way too much exposure for me to accept life as it is right now. So I'm going to do as much as I can to contribute to change, right? That is why I'm doing this. That is why we're discussing this image of what? An alternative logic to national development, which is what? A transformative economy, right? So let's jump right into it. If, that, if, if you understand what I've been saying so far, just type in the comment section, go, 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 go. Let me know that I'm not speaking too much English and I can just fire on with this energy that I'm on. I know today is a Sunday. People want to rest on Sunday. But if you understand the gravity of the issue we're trying to solve, right? These are the kind of things that you lose sleep over, honestly. If you understand the gravity of what we're trying to solve and what we're trying to do and why it is practical and why we need to do it, right? So let's jump right into it. The Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa Series 6, The Transformative Economy. In the year 2017, I experienced a combination of events that birthed the vision of a transformative economy, which at the time was to be explored for Ilife, Osho State. This was because it was my most immediate environment and it presented an interesting case for such a disruptive idea to be designed and implemented 
owing to the economic reality dependent on the undergraduate community, but wasn't driven or led by the undergraduate community. What I was trying to say here is, in 2017, I had a couple of events that started staring up these questions in my, in my heart because I was privileged to be in the, in, the, in the context of this idea where the economy of that community is dependent on students, but the economic structures were not designed by or for students at all. What that simply means is that in Ileife, the Ileife um, economy right, is hugely dependent on students. Once students go on vacation, the whole economy shuts down. right. But if you come to Ife now and you observe, you see that young people are not the ones partaking of these structures. The transportation is not run by young people. The governance, okay, the governance, of course, is run by young people, um, by the current only, but that's just one sector, right? Every other major sector, right, is not handled by young people, right? And by young people, I mean undergraduate community, gun, 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 because they make the population or they make the driving force of the economy, and yet they are not participating in any way as I being consumers. That's what I was trying to say here, right? That IFE was the first was the first reference case where I could develop and design um, this idea of how to achieve um, um, a transformative economy. Or, although in 2017, the idea was not the venture matrix for the future of Africa, right? So you're going to learn about that in today's project. So the venture matrix for the future of Africa is not actually the first idea. It is an idea that was revised and redeveloped into what it is today that has now transformed into what the venture major for the future of Africa. That's what I was trying to say there. And being in IFE just gave me the right base. Uh, being a student of Abafemi Awolo University and being in IFE, right, because I stayed back in IFE even after graduation, right, just gave me the right context to explore and research the possibility of this kind of idea. So I know what I'm saying when I'm developing these things. That's what I'm trying to establish there, right? So in October the same year, I got an invitation to host a business section on Odua FM. This served as an instrumental platform to share my ideas about that vision of a transformative economy as some form of entrepreneurial of entrepreneurship activism. So I, st I started entrepreneurship activism in 2017. I had a radio show um, which lasted for I think an hour 30 minutes or an hour th uh, 15 minutes or 45 minutes. I can't really remember. Right on Udua FM. Right. Um, I think it held maybe once or twice every week, right? And there was where I started sharing these radical ideas, very this very crazy thing, right? Where I wanted to ex uh, incite or excite um, young people to start thinking of the, the economic opportunities in that in their local communities that they are not taking advantage of. So um, let me let me let me go on. So this served as an instrument um, of my entrepreneurial activism, right? So I think this business success. So that's what I called the radio show, right? To incite listeners, which were mostly the undergraduate community, to dare to believe a different narrative about Ileife and take calculated action, concerted action towards exploiting its untapped economic opportunities. So that was that what I was trying, um, simply trying to say there was, in 2017, I had, I had an idea that the undergraduate community can explore economic potential by fixing the problems in their local economy, right? And forgetting to build for global stage, or for Lagos or Otakot or, or Abuja, right? But instead, they should focus on the local problems in their local communities, right? They should, since they were young, since they were talented, they can create solutions to exploit opportunity in that local context, right? So that's where all this idea began before I started thinking globally and nationally. I just wanted, to, you know, university students, you, you can see this problem outside your university, right? It's directly there. Why not just solve it and find value in it, either monetary or social value, you understand? That was what I was trying to preach there when I had a radio show. I was invited 
um, by Odua, by, um, to come and have that show by Odua FM. Because of, you know, what I had been doing in 2017, as I said, when I said going for international competitions and then engaging students on how they can do it also. So the goal was to reshape the narrative about the economic reality of Ilefer by exposing the unknown but obvious to the listeners. That means the problems were obvious, right? Instead of trying to build the next Microsoft, there is a problem in your existing community you can quickly solve and it will generate almost the same value. Do you understand? That's what I was trying to say, right? That was what the, the, the radio show was for. So this led to some research and the development of a transformative economic index, which will be discussed later in this piece. So I was able to practically use IFE to represent the whole of Africa and Nigeria because it, it presented that case of, number one, a, a vibrant um, undergraduate community and then also a local community that was ready and ripe for, transfer, for economic transformation. That's what I was simply saying in all of that. So I did something called um, the Transformative Economic Index, which we will read about in series uh, in series seven, right? So it's, it's a couple of index on how to know where an undergraduate community or their local community is ready for transformative, uh, for economic transformation, right? That's what I was trying to simply say there. So as you can see in this picture, um, this blue one, if you can see my, please, if you can see my mouse, please let me know in the, in the comment section so I will know that you are following my mouse. Can you see my mouse? You can see my mouse just say yes, yes, yes. Or let me just use a uh, annotation or something. Okay. Okay, you can see my mouse. Okay, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So if you can see this red, this blue part of um, of this image is my invitation to Washington DC to be part of the world, um, to, to part of um, the youth summit. Don't worry, I'll talk about that. but. On the other side is the flyers, right? These are the flyers that we used to use then for the radio show, Business Success, right? Where I used to talk about business principles and how to exploit, you know, it was entrepreneurial activism, you know, inspiring people to take on entrepreneurship, um, to exploit their local opportunities, simple, simple, simply put, right? But this other blue one is my invitation from the World Bank, right? To come make a presentation at the World Bank Global Youth Summit in Washington, D.C. in 2017. Right, I'll talk about that now. So amidst the internal conflict with the disruptive nature of what I was proposing at the time, I kept seeking validation for what I had deemed as a form of craziness. So yes, in 2017, I thought I was crazy, right? I thought the ideas I had was too radical. I thought it was, you know, that's why it took me three years for me to come out again and start working on them as much as I'm doing now. I thought the ideas were too much where, where it was crazy, right? It still seems crazy to me, but at least uh, I'm a little more confident on, on taking action right now. Right, so that's what I was trying to say there, right? That um, I was having internal conflicts, so I was looking for what validation. And my invitation to the World Bank Youth Summit was all the validation I needed. That yes, I think some people in some other part of the world think this is viable. So yes, they validated the ideas and told me to come pitch it, you know, at the this thing. And that's when I knew, okay, this is actually something I can devote my life to. It has some actual value. Um, to be solved, right? So that was what I was trying to say in this first line. So that validation came in November 2017 when I got an invitation from the World Bank to participate as a delegate at the World Bank Youth Summit host, hosted in Washington, D.C. So that people will not think that, you know, um, you know, it's, it's all crazy ideas, right? So the World Bank has actually, you know, reviewed it and had validated it by inviting me to come give, um, to come participate as a delegate, right? So, I stumbled on the opportunity and decided to draft my vision for a transformative economy happening in Ileife through an initiative I was building called Business Hub OAU. And I was selected to come present the idea at the dialogue. 
However, I could not attend because I was unable to raise the budget for the engagement within the time frame. So the thing is that the time frame for for that the, the time between where I got my application granted and then the dates for the event was really short. I think the budget at that time, as of 2017, was was almost was over two million naira. So you know, I didn't have a strong network at the time. So raising two million was was very hard work. So I couldn't do it. So sadly, I couldn't go. And the way the the program was structured was because they were inviting people from all over the world. They wanted everybody to sponsor themselves, and then they will now reimburse. But I couldn't I couldn't do that. Sadly, that's why you know. But this life hustle make opportunity you know they pass you by. <laughs> right. So let's jump right into it. So the first idea I had was called Business Hub of Afemi Awolowo University. Right. So Business Hub was an idea to to incite undergraduates to solve social problems that explore economic opportunity. So that was strictly, you know, that idea was just for students to just solve problems in a local community. That was all, right? It wasn't as big as this. So, so this singular event reduced the internal conflict about my proposition and, and I kept investing efforts to design a solution that was progressive, holistic, and inclusive. So I didn't stop right um i might have stopped but the idea still lingered in my mind and i kept refining it doing my research refining it and all of that right and that's how what became after three years the venture matrix for the future of africa right so business hub was my first attempt at understanding the design of a transformative economy and four years of transition has transformed these core ideas into the venture matrix for the future of africa business Hub oau was designed as a social intervention driven by a community of business enthusiasts building an environment for business leadership to thrive. So as I said, it was still about enabling environments, right? Business Hub was also focused on how can young people gather together and create an enabling environment for, for them to be able to achieve their dreams. So this focus was on business leadership. So the focus was on business leadership because I, I felt fundamentally leadership was the problem that we needed to solve because once people can solve the leadership problem, people can what? Can grow their ideas into, into change, right? So the focus was on business leadership because leadership is a tool for sustainable change. So if you notice, nothing has actually really changed, right? Things have just evolved and transitioned. Right now, we're, we're having this session on what the venture matrix was leaders program because I feel that's what we can solve the leadership problem. Once we can gather people who are leaders and show them this vision, right? Anything is possible because vision, I'm sorry, because leadership, right, is a tool of transformation. Everything rises and falls to the to the level of what leadership that is available. That is why the leadership program, that's why the venture leadership, venture matrix leadership program is based on what giving leaders the resources to drive this change. Not just, not just this one is not training. This one is just inspiring you that you can actually be the change you need, right? So I was doing this also as far far back as um, 2017. So where there we had like just 80 active students. You know, I I, I just wanted a team of 20, but it grew to 80. It was an amazing time, right? So let me just read this, right? So it was a very exciting idea and it quickly grew into a community of 80 active students excited about the possibilities. But what we did in that space was the effect of the environment, the power of the existing narrative and the influence of the existing gaps between the undergraduate community and other stakeholders on the quality of the product of leadership needed to create the change we, we wanted. So what I was trying to say then is what leaders were not inspired by the idea because there was a, an existing narrative, right? Um, the environment did not support it. So it was very hard to drive that, even though there were 80 people that were... So we tried all we could. But you understand, it was just, you know... And also, you know, we're very limited in scope. We're not thinking big enough, so we're not able to, to solve all the problems, right? So 
the initiative grew leaders and inspired some progress. So yes, from that initiative, they had people who started businesses, we had people who had grown businesses and all of that. Most of them can testify to it. Um, where we had uh, the business roundtable event, right? Where I brought friends who were doing really good in business and they were young people to come and give them practical tools on building businesses that were that could grow fast. Right. So this discovery of the multi-layered nature. So I didn't know that. I thought the problem was just, you know, that the enabling there was no enabling environment, but there were more problems than that, right? And I, I wasn't aware of it. So the discovery of the multi-layered nature of the challenge is that I didn't know that problem was coming from policies. Problem was coming that there were no enabling projects. Problem was coming that there was no enabling partnership to execute these things that we wanted to do. I didn't know that. I just thought once I can gather people, share an idea with them. We can just start doing stuff. But there was already existing systems that we were not aware of or very enlightened into. But today, thank God, we're a little more enlightened, right? So now I'm saying that those challenges, you know, just, just, you know, it just, it just, it just dampened our morale. So the answer, right, was to think bigger than the effect. So how I was able to design this was I had to think beyond effect. I have to think globally. What can apply globally? What problems or what design can we start here in Nigeria that can be applied all over the world, right? Or all over Africa, at least. You know, it's exciting that, you know, since the beginning of this program, we had people from Asia reach out. We had people from South Africa, from all over Africa reach out that, you know, they're inspired by what we're trying to do here and they want to be a part of it. So if you're on this call or you're on the leadership program and you're not Nigerian, don't worry. There is a plan ready for to cater to your own community. Just experience the program, see how it works, see the kind of change we cause, and then we can now partner with you to, you know, influence that same level of change within the context of your own city. That we are doing this in Nigeria doesn't mean if we, if we replicate it in South Africa or Tanzania, it will work. But we have an existing model that we need you to help us interpret into the context of your local environment. Do you understand? That's what I was trying to say there. So it was when I said thinking began and Ilefe that all of these ideas became more concrete. So in 2018, I was opportune to make a presentation at an economic conference to prospective gubernatorial candidates for the Oshun state elections. The title of my presentation was, what did the egg tell the garden egg about the transformative economy? So this was a very exciting time, right? So I had done such a good campaign that when the you know gov yes, it was this it was the time it was the period of gov government uh, people were, were vying for office right they were doing political campaigns so um, I think a student uh, organized them you know those that were running for office to come to our university um, in um, in this uh, place in quarters what is it called I, I don't know why I'm forgotten I'm, I'm I, I've forgotten the name staff staff this staff this um, hotel in um, staff quarters. Wow. I can't, I can't believe I'm forgetting this. Wow. But anyways, um, there's this, so it was held there. I was expecting OU people on the chat box to help me. But of course, they're not helping me right now. <laughs> so um, we had, we had gubernatorial candidates coming to um, conference center. Thank you, Ajayi. Uluadara see me. It's so sad. How can I have forgotten? Yes, it was conference center that that program was held. So we had gubernatorial candidates. So imagine the ruckus. There were cars, you know, all the flashy cars and all of that. It was that one event that just broke or removed the veil from my eyes that we cannot invest in a solution that is um, strongly tied to political interests. It has to be bipartisan. Right? That was and, and, the, and the need for for partnerships, the need for, for disruptive partnership models was what was needed. So this event opened my eyes. We had leaders there 
who wanted to get the ideas, but it was just strongly tied to their political interests, right? And that was where I had to think of how do I design a system that cannot be influenced by existing systems at all? That people don't need to be a part of a political party before they can participate. People don't need to be in political offices before they can participate. People can just be people and still lead change. So that was what I was trying to explain there, right? I was privileged to give a speech to, to them. I think we had about four or five of them actively present, right? And, and some of them sent um, representatives. Some didn't even show up at all, but they had uh, representation. So I could give a speech, right? And, and stimulate them in a conversation about what young people needed and what, what, what was needed um, in, to, to, to revolutionize the economy in Oshun State, starting from, you know, IFE, because they were closest to what the talents and bright minds um, easily accessible. So that was what I was trying to say there, right? So in my presentation about what did the egg tell the garden egg, right? I sought to establish the possibility of an economic shift by creating an environment to support innovation. My submission was that leaders vying for the gubernatorial seat were to focus on economic transformation. Like that should be the agenda. How do they transform the economy to look like, right? The nature of today, the 21st century, right? To look like change. So my submission was that leaders, did it, leaders who were vying for the gubernatorial seat were to focus on economic transformation through an inclusive economic environment for young people in Oshun State. This was to be achieved through four means. Now, these four means were what I suggested then, right? And it still applies now. But of course, the context is different. Do you understand? Um, yeah, this is technical. It's plenty, plenty English, but don't worry, I'll simplify it. Number one was what, to democratize leadership through collaboration to solve our local problems with global solutions. That means collaborating will solve our problem. That means letting the older generation show the younger generation how to lead by leading what themselves. Why the younger generation learns how to lead by leading themselves, i.e. a system of governance where the old lead the old and the young lead the young owing to the generational gap. Now, what I was trying to say is that we need to democratize uh, uh, political power. Of course, I know, right? What was I thinking? Talking to people who were power, power hungry and thirsty, right? To democratize power. <laughs> that was very funny. Of course, I was young. And of course, the tactics, uh, is, uh, the tactics and approach is different now. So I started telling them to democratize their leadership uh, power, right? By creating um, policies, right, that empowered young people to lead themselves, right? They, you know, the argument normally is that young people are not ready to lead or they didn't know how to lead, they didn't have experience and all that. And I'm saying how we will get experience is by actually leading, right? But you guys should lead yourself and, and show us and lead us by example, by leading yourselves, right? That's what I was trying to say there. So democratize... Um, leadership through institutions where young people can lead themselves and old people can lead themselves, right? So implement human-centered. The second point was they needed to implement human-centered intervention through the allocation of resources focused on transforming human resources to human capital. What it simply means was they needed to focus on the things that directly affected people like health, education. Of course, these are the normal economic banter and cliché. But the point was to invest in human capital development so that we will not just have human resources, as we are normally saying. We need to now have human capital that we can spend, meaning people who have been developed in talent, in competence, in, in exposure, in, 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 in capacity, right? That's what I was trying to say, right? So this was to be achieved by providing incentives for initiatives to groom talents in the undergraduate community of Obafemi-Oluwawa to solve local problems in Ilefe as a bridge between the host community and undergraduate community. Now, this simply means that they needed to focus on projects, on plans, right? That would incentivize young people in communities like OAU, you know, brilliant minds in um, the Obafemi Awal universities, um, Odudua, 
universities, um, in the Redeemers Union, because, you know, beautifully, um, <laughs> Ife has about more than eight universities surrounding it. Very interesting. Like, that's why I love Ife so much. He has an interesting economic case that we're not fully tapping into, right? So imagine having so much university with so much young people, so much brilliant minds, and nothing is being done. So they need to incentivize young people to start solving local problems, you know? Create funds, you know? Create maybe a trust fund where you invest in, you know, things like that. That's what I was, I was saying they should do, right? Give them incentives, you know? Give them healthcare. Give them healthcare, uh, um, healthcare products, you know? Insurance, you know? Things like that. Incentivize people who want to create and solve problems. Simply, that's what I was trying to say, right? Number two is leverage and embrace culture as a driving force and tool for change and innovation. Yeah, so I was saying, you know, we're in the, we're in the supposed base of, of uh, culture, for uh, very, you know, IFA is very culturally rich. So we need to exploit that, right? So that's why, um, you know, it was exciting to, to see something like that almost being done with the things like IFA Grand Results, you know, trying to make it a tourism center and all of that. So that kind of thing was what I was advocating though as far back as 2017. But it was beyond that. It was beyond um, real estate. It was beyond that. But using culture, right, as a, as, as, as a tool of innovation and change, right? Making sure there's a way we do things here, right? That kind of thing, right? Make sure that we incentivize culture as a driving tool for innovation. That's what I was trying to say there, right? Number four was implement structures that create and sustain an liberal environment through social enterprise. So this was the, talking about you know the development as we as we learned about institutions, right? The rise of institutions through policies, projects, and partnerships, right? So let them basically what I was trying to say here is now I have a personal notion that the government was not capacitated to manage national resources as we think. No. What they should do is, number one, manage those resources, allocate those resources, and then bring in international partnerships to what? To properly maximize that relationship. They should not be, they should not be directly involved in um, implementing or using these resources. That is the job of the private sector, to carry these natural resources, to carry the natural assets and all of that, and implement it into value creation. I don't think, like now, it was, it was, it was funny, it was laughable that um, you know, we tried that the government or the, um, the federal government tried to, to create its own um, public um, innovation. I'm sorry, I said aviation, uh, you know, that, that, uh, uh, that airplane stuff that they spent billions on the design that still today, we don't have any, any of it implemented. It's, it's just funny, right? It's that kind of thing. So I was, that's what I was trying to say here, that instead there should be you know, public-private partnership devoted to you know, creating structures that make sure that whatever change or outcome um, we desire is being achieved, right? So this leadership approach was more socio-political than socio-economic and proved to indirectly reinforce the narrative that the access to economic power resided with the leaders in political offices. Now, what I was trying to say is that at the time, what I didn't notice, like what I was proposing was still making it look like the power was in the hands of the government, right? The approach was still very socio-political instead of being socio-economic. So in 2017, I was very socio-political, you know, addressing politics and all of that. But today, right, I'm more socioeconomic, right, because I've learned the ropes. That's what I'm trying to say there, right? That, so that conversation that we had at my presentation to the gubernatorial candidates, it got some parties interested, right? But they were still all driven by political interest. The major aim was to consolidate their position for a chance at gubernatorial elections. Basically, what I'm trying to say there is that what they were looking for was points on how to what, sell their agenda to the youths. I wasn't very aware of that, right? To me, I was you know, just being a good guy, sharing good ideas. But what they just wanted was to listen to things they could use in their campaign. Simple, simply put, that's what I'm trying to say there. It was all tied to their political interest. If it doesn't align to their political interest, 
um, they are not very interested, right? So this didn't appear to align with the power dynamics at the time. I was not aware of power dynamics at the time. But it revealed something essential, which was that what? Economic power, right? Everybody needs to, needs to frame this on their walls or note this, right? This, this thing here, this thing that I'm, 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 I'm highlighting right here, right? That power dynamics, right, is actually about economic power, which is what defined by what? The nature of opportunity made available. That is to say, economic power wasn't about politics. It's about the creation of value and youth participation. Let me simplify, simplify this for, for you. The reason why a politician can come to you today and tell you votes for me is because he will tell you what's the creation of jobs. The creation of jobs is not political, it's economic. So political power is actually defined by how much opportunity can be created in economics, right? So that's why I'm saying right now the design is socioeconomical. Let's focus on, what, on the things that are within our sphere of influence, not by politics. Do you understand? Because economic power is not about politics. The reason why politicians have so much power is because they have economic power. They have the money, right? They have the connect, right? They have the competence. By competence, I actually mean they get the best education, even though they do not apply it. Because what? They have selfish interests that benefits them. That's what I'm trying to simply say here, right? That economic, that politics is actually about economic power. Forget politics, politics. Once you can make sure that there's access to economic power, political power would, you know, would, would lose value. For example, even with the not, not too young to run bill, you still need to raise crazy amount of money for you to what properly function in politics. So politics is about economic power. Don't, don't, don't be deceived. Power is just everything. That's why I, I, I like that comment I made that everything except power is about power. Right? But power is actually about what? Value. That is simply what it is. Everything in this life is about power. Except power. Because power is what's actually about value. So that's what I was trying to explain there. Right? If you want to run into... That's why if you want to go into politics today, right? You don't even need to have any political experience. As you can see with Donald Trump. All you need to do is what? Have economic power. Donald Trump could you know, be an opposing candidate because what? He's a real estate mogul. He has money. There are people that, if he says he's not working again, there are people's lives that would suffer. That is economic power. The reason why Dangote is Dangote is not because he's, a, he's the richest man. No, no, no. It's because of what? He has value creation. If Dangote closes all of his business today, there are families that will suffer. That is real power. That is economic power. That is what I'm saying we need to focus on as young people. Until we get that, Politics will still look like the ultimate. That's what I was trying to see there. Right? So, this is because every 25 years, a new generation initiates a negotiation to lead conversations to disrupt existing narratives about the economic and socioeconomic climate defining their future. Right? This provides a platform for political ambition to be explored and exploited by those seeking to retain power and those seeking to acquire it. What I was trying to say this, here is that every 25 years, right, a new generation is born. And what this simply means is that every 25 years, a new a change happens. Is is you can check through history every twenty-five year intervals. Change, radical change always happens. That's why this is a perfect time to do this, right? Why in that twenty-five years um, uh, space, right, where we can renegotiate power and ask ourselves, what is the existing narrative about power? How can we put, possess power and then exploit power, right? That is that is what I was trying to say here, right? That every twenty-five years, right, a new generation starts to ask questions. 
That is why politics, right, is always very hot in these 25-year intervals, right? Because politicians who have been in power, understand power, just need to keep that same, you know, they just need to keep the playing field the same, right? So what they do is just what? Distract young people, jump back into power, and then wait another 25 years before somebody else will start raising questions. Do you understand? That's what I was trying to explain here, right? That provides a platform for people who are interested in politics to what? To get involved, so therefore, the negotiation, the negotiation for a transformative economy in this generation is to drive conversation about the system defining the creation of opportunity, right? Because people gravitate towards opportunities, just like how plants gravitate towards the sun. Creating an an, an environment for the creation and recreation of opportunity is how the economy would flourish. Now, what I was trying, simply trying to say here is that I remember asking a friend, right? A friend was asking me, Tony, why are you so why do you love Ife so much? You know, why are you so why why are you always in Ife? Right? There's no opportunity in Ife. He was always saying that. And I said, um, I totally agree with you. But the problem why people are not in Ife. Yeah, so the problem was he said, why do you think people are not in Ife and why are you in Ife? I said, what people don't know is that Ife is a blank check. Right? That the places that pose that pose the biggest resistance also pose the biggest opportunities. Right? And that the reason why people are not are not remaining. See, the reason why people finish from their campus and leave is because there's no opportunity. They are leaving for what? For where opportunity is. That's why people finish from Ife and go to Lagos. People finish from Futa and go to Lagos. People finish and go to Lagos. Why? Because that's where opportunity is. People will always gravitate to where there's opportunity. Well, like that's like the way the plants gravitate towards the sun. Wherever the sun is, is where the plants will grow towards. That's how people are with opportunity. So all you need to do. Right, is create an environment where opportunities can be created and recreated, and people will stay. So that's why I'm saying the undergraduate community is our first best bet as a route to achieving what the transformative economy. If you if you if you if you resonate with what I'm saying, if you understand at all, let me know in the comment section. Let me know, just say wisdom, 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 or something. Let me just know that you can relate with what I'm saying, right? So that we can jump right back into the piece. Let me know in the comment section what you think. If you think what I'm saying doesn't make sense or you cannot relate to it, right? So that's all you need to do. Once you can create an environment that supports the creation of opportunity, people will stay back. Now, imagine, let's play it. Let's just, just stay on this conversation with me. Imagine your school. Let's use FUTA because, sorry, I'm not look like, you know, it's only applicable for you. Imagine you graduate from FUTA and you can get the same job you can get in Lagos, in FUTA. Why would you need to leave for Lagos, Right? This would even solve our migration problem. Because they say Lagos is over jam-packed. There are other cities we can exploit opportunity. So let's start from, like now me, I'm going to start from Ilefe. In Ife, right, you have the brightest minds, or some of the brightest minds in Africa, in Ife here. But yet, they will finish from Ife and migrate to Lagos, migrate to outside the country. Why? Because Ife is very conducive environment for the creation of opportunity right now. So until undergraduate community see this and build an enabling environment, people will continue graduating and living and exploring opportunities elsewhere. So the, value, the, the creation of an environment that supports value creation is paramount for the achievement of a transformative economy. That's simply what I'm trying to say here. Right? So in a transformative economy, the government should, would need to reshape the narrative. So the government should not be the biggest employer. In a, in, in a transformative economy, the government is not the biggest employer, but what is the biggest enabler for employment? That is the difference within today's economy and a transformative economy. You will not be hearing things like the narrative where, you know, 
the government is the biggest employer of labor. No, no, no. That's that's a permit me to permit my French. It's a bullshit economy. But a transformative, hyper growth economy is an economy where the government is what the biggest enabler. You know where you have where 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 the government is competing with the private sector to create opportunities. That is a transformative economy. Right, so in a transitional economy, the government should be the should need would need to reshape the narrative from being the biggest employer of labor to being the biggest enabler for labor as the biggest consumer or customer of the value creation ecosystem within their states, within their local communities. Right, so remember the the stages of development of um, this transformative economy. Right, when value when enabling environment has been created for value creation, institutions have been built to regulate it. That interplay leads to what? An ecosystem, right? That ecosystem would create transformative economies in every state in Nigeria. It's as simple as that. When the government will now be the consumer of the value being created in those ecosystems. So for example, let's say we create an enabling environment, right? And then we are building products, right? The biggest consumer should be what? The Ocean State government. That is what I'm trying to say in that, in that place, right? In Futa, what is being created in that ecosystem in Futa, right? The biggest consumer should be what? The um, Undo State uh, um, government. Do you understand? Um, let's go to Meduguri, right? The state government should be what? The biggest consumer and customer of the value created in that uh, micro-ecosystem. That's what I was trying to say here, right? Um, so what did the egg tell the... What did the egg tell the guy the egg about the transformative economy, right? Is that it told it to what, number one, be open to change like the seeds in its belly. Now, this is very metaphorical and it was one of the best things that I think I wrote in this whole piece, right? And this is why. Inside an egg is a seed, which is what? The yolk, the, 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 the seedling, the, the yolk, right? The, the, the little egg, um, I said the little egg, the little egg, the, the chick, right, in his most basic form, right? So what did the egg tell the garden egg? Is that the change you're looking for what is inside you. It's not outside, right? Like the seed in the belly. So garden egg, right, gets its identity from what? The garden. But egg gets its identity from what? Within, which is what? An egg. Do you understand? That's what I was trying to say here, right? That it needs to be what? Open to change. Like what? The seeds in the belly. In fact, this is one of the deepest things I think I've ever written in my life, right? Now, let me, let, me, let me simplify it. Let me demystify it. A garden egg, what? Evolved from what? A garden egg seed. That garden egg seed is inside what? The garden egg, right? So even though the garden egg is experiencing change and becoming a garden egg, it is only experiencing change from outside it, which is what? The garden. Does that make any sense? But for the egg... The change is coming from inside where the egg is becoming what? A living entity. Transforming from what? An egg into a chick, into a chicken. That's the difference. So what the egg told you that garden egg is garden egg. You need to be open to change. Garden egg represents the current economic system, the current ecosystem that we are living in, while the egg represents this transformative economy that I'm proposing, right? So that was the telling is that change will have to come from inside of you, not outside. Foreign aid will not change the economy. But change from within, where people are creating value, that is where change. So that's what, as in, in fact, I feel I should frame this, <laughs> I should frame this and hang it on my wall. It's such a beautiful thing to write, right? 
That is what I, I meant by that. So the egg also told the so the first thing is what be open to change. The second thing the egg told the garden egg is that with change comes what opportunity, which was best explored by preparing for it, embracing it, and recreating it by creating an environment like the garden to the garden egg and the garden egg to his seed. So the second thing that the egg does is that the egg is what create, creates an enabling environment for the yolk inside it to develop. Inside the egg, right, the egg holds all, it holds what, an enabling environment. All they need, all is needed is just for what, a chicken to what, supply the temperature to it. But the enabling environment is already there. So that chicken represents what, the ecosystem, supplying the heat, right? Why the egg itself is what, the enabling environment for the yolk within it to develop into an egg. So it was telling the, the garden egg, that garden egg, right, you have to prepare for change. Right, by making sure that the seed inside you, there's a, there's that the way the egg, sorry, the way the garden egg is is hosting the seed, right, is the same way it would what become a transformative entity. That's what I was trying to say, right? So these are the same underlying principles defining a transformative economy. That is change and create. So those two principles are the principles that that separate an egg from a garden egg. Number one is what change, and number two is the creation of an environment for opportunity. Right? For example, if you're eating an egg, right, you will eat all the seeds with it. Do you understand? But when you're eating an egg, right, it would have to work. It has the capacity to become what, a chick or a chicken that can produce what? More eggs. So that's how we need to, talk, to think. Right? We should stop thinking like garden eggs where it's just chop, belefu, chop, belefu. We're not thinking of the future. We're not thinking of multiplication and growth. We need to be more, more more, more for future conscious and thinking of what, how do we always create opportunity? That's what I was trying to say there, right? So this is 4.45, but we have only 15 minutes, so I need to rush. As I said, I promise to, to, to respect your time. So this is how the age of industry... So now we're talking about, I like historical context. As I said, I did, I did some research. I like historical context. So this passage, this um, part of the piece talks about, you know, an historical context. So this is how the age of industry... So when you hear the third revolution, the third industrial revolution and all of that, so these are the age of industrialization evolved into the industrial revolution of the 18th and 19th century. It is simply the story of how men built a global economy by quote, casting visions and taking on audacious goals and engaging. So I just gave the blueprints for how to achieve industrialization or an industrial revolution, right? Which is what, as I said, groundbreakers, how men built a global by casting visions. Number two, taking on audacious goals. Which was which was what represented by what the environment, right? And getting talent pool at universities, employing local or indi and indigenous labor for community development and exploring market opportunities. So this is the same underlying narrative of how China and California um, Stanford University opened a vista for the emergence of Silicon Valley, taking on active roles in the global economy through what the fourth industrial revolution. Africa has mostly been a spectator through this period of change, but the venture measures for the future of Africa is a strategic approach to leading its own economic revolution and changing the narrative. Africa can do this too, because she has more hardworking people representing her talent supply asset class, more challenges, creating more opportunities, and more access to resources like never before to become both an active player in the global economy and leader of the transformative economy. To achieve this reality, we must do it differently through the young people of our Nigeria community. So what this whole place is saying is that it has been done before, right? And during those times where it was being done, where the US, China, and the rest of the world were taking active roles in shaping global economy. Africa was just there, sitting like Dodoyo, right? But now, there's an opportunity 
for Africa to participate. And what we need to be used, and what we can do differently strategically, what would differentiate us from other nations is that what we're doing it through the young people in what are undergraduate communities. That is what makes this value proposition for the venture mission for the future of Africa very strategically different. This is what makes us globally competitive. That while other people were doing it by building industries, we are doing it by investing in human capital and developing young people and developing their ideas from the undergraduate community. That's simply what that whole part of the piece was saying. So this part is also very technical, so I'm just going to read through and then just give a, narr a narration of, of it because this one is very so this 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 is one of the parts where I get very technical and provide reports that you can read so that you not think that all of this is just BB grammar and plenty plenty talk right you can read research so according to a report published in 2015 just five years ago so you can measure the difference right according to a report published in 2015 Africa was the second most attractive investment destination in the world with Nigeria ranking amongst one of the third one of one of the top three established markets right five years later. Rwanda, Ghana, Kenya, they have been outperforming their initial economic position are owing to their investment in value creation by their youth population and inclusive economic environments compared to Nigeria in the same period. So what I was trying to say there is just five years ago, right, Nigeria was one of the top three best um, attractive investment destinations in the world, right? Places like Kenya and Rwanda and Ghana, they didn't even place in those top three, right? But right now, those guys are playing at the same top three and giving us Chico out of what they are, they are displacing us from the from the global economy league, if I will call it that. They are displacing us from the table, right? Right now, if you have money, you invest in Rwanda and Kenya. That's what that's what I'm, I'm basically saying, right? So until we fix fundamental problems, those guys will gap us, and giant of Africa will just become by mouth. So the challenge case for a transformative economy is so we need to see, we need to really. That's why you know, I do not enjoy having to ask people to be active on the program or begging anybody, right? I need people who can see this problem, right? I want to tackle it. This, this is actually a really serious issue that we need to actually take. You know, imagine yourself 20, 10 years from now when you have kids and they cannot provide um, um, the best life for your kids, not because you're not hardworking, but because the environment just doesn't support it. Then you understand why this has to be done now. So the challenge case for a transformative economy, right? So this is basically the solution. is by what? Solving access to opportunities by deploying disruptive economic solutions. Simple. That solve the problem that is characterizing the most dominant segment of the population, being the lowest earners within the value chain. Now, what it simply means is, I love that point also because it's very, very strategic. What it means is that, do you know that why we are called the poverty capital of the world, aside the economic indicators and indexes, is because the people who make up more than half of the population actually are the lowest earning parts of the, of the population. Let me give you an example. Meaning that, that young people are poor. Not that they are not poverty, or forget poverty, pay poverty line, but it just mean that young people don't have economic power. Young people don't have resources of their own. That's the difference. An 18-year-old in the U.S. can already afford rent, can already afford probably even buy a car, can already afford his own data and feeding expenses. And it's year old here, if he's not doing Yahoo, or it's not just, you know, privileged to start, you know, to have maybe rich parents or start work early or be a sharp guy who has access to resources, you know, they're still living with their parents. They don't have, they don't, they can't afford rent. Rent? Rent? For an 18-year-old in Nigeria, you're joking, right? That is the economic reality, right? More than half, and we make the majority of the population. So can you see how big this problem is? That is why 
Nigeria is, 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 is defined as poor. It's not because we don't have resources or we, cannot, we are not rich. More than half of our population are young. And these young people, who we can use as the defining factor of how well we are doing the economy, don't even, cannot afford the basic things of life. That is the problem. That is what I'm simply saying here. That is, that, all that grammar is what I'm simply trying to say there. Africa is home to about 1 billion people, right? With more than half of its population being young. So Africa has about 1 billion people in Africa, right? But then, that 1 billion, more than 60% is young people. See, it's just like saying you enter a class, right? Let's say in, a class, in your class, there are 30 students, right? Out of the 30 students, 20 students cannot afford school fees, right? So what will you say about the class? That the class cannot afford school fees, even though there are 10, 5 people who can what, afford the school fees. That's simply what's happening in Nigeria. Please, if that point has been simplified, if you understand that point, let me know in the comment section. Say yes, 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 yes. So I know if, if that point needs to be stressed. That's the economic case of Nigeria. There are rich people, yes. There are wealthy people in Nigeria, yes. But the population, the greater number of us do not have access to the basicest of resources. That is the problem. And this, 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 this half of us, these people who don't have any access at all are the people in the universities who, 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 who make up a part of that class. Do you understand? That's what I was trying to say there. Right? Wow, it's almost five. That means we have less, uh, just about uh, 20 more minutes. So I'm going to really need to rush now. So that's what I was trying to say there, right? So this is evident in the World Investment Report of 2018, that's just two years ago, and the World Development Report of 2019, that's just last year, showing that 84% of the global population live in what? Emerging markets. I, if you remember, I said I prefer calling us emerging economies, but let's just you know, follow this. Um, 84% of the global population live in emerging markets, but a gap exists between the investment climate, value creation, and the participation of the, of the youth population, aside being consumers. That is, Africa's market opportunity is currently defined by its what is consumption and not the creation of value. And that is the problem that we need to fix. That is what the venture making for the future of Africa is trying to readdress. That, the, that our, our opportunity should not be that we are the largest consumers or we hold the largest consumers, but what we have what the largest amount of value creators. That's what defines America's economy. That's what defines China's economy. What they are defined by value creation and consumption, not just consumption. So we need to balance that out here in Africa for us to work to solve this problem. So a transformative economy demands a radical shift from defining, the, from defining the opportunity by not just consumption, but value creation. That is, by creating an investment climate locally and globally that is pro-consumer, that is, in this context, the youth, and as proposed in the venture matrix, pro-undergraduate community, for Africa to unlock its prosperous destiny. To position Nigeria for the future, so I remember being in an exclusive event um, that was held in the Ife Grand Resort, right? And there was, you know, um, and you know, he had he had dignitaries from all over Nigeria, and um, he, he had he had some 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 um, um, this guy that was the former governor of uh, Calabar. I'm sorry, guys. I don't, you know, I have so much in my head that. The information just gets displaced sometimes. Who was the former governor of uh, Calabar? Can someone help me in the comment section? Can someone help me in the comment section? Yeah, thank you. God bless you, right? So we had Donald Duke. That's, yeah. I'm so, I don't know how that eludes me. 
but I'm sorry, you forgive me. Donald Duke came to give a presentation, right? And you know, he released this data that that you know that that that, that made this this thing come alive to me and made it really practical. He said to position Nigeria for the future, right? 15% growth annually for 10 years in the real sector is required to achieve this. Um, yeah, so he said right now that we're such in a devastating case that we need a 15% growth annually, right? For 10 years straight in the real sector, that is in the private, you know, private sector that is regulated and, and standardized of that to achieve the position. Now, let me, let me simplify this in simple terms, right? Right now, our economic growth is in single digits, right? 15% is double that and a little more. Do you understand? I, I'm not stating the figures because I don't know the figures, right? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm declaring that, yeah, I don't know, but I know what we need based on what the growth projections, right? So, and we need that for what, 10 years, 10 years straight. So if we don't, if we don't create a sustainable system to achieve that outcome right now, that means we have a 10 years gap we we'll always need to meet. Do you understand? That means number one, for job creation, we need to double it. For um, healthcare, healthcare and all of that, we need to double the effort. So that is what it simply means. And not just double it, but we need to now keep it double steady for 10 years for us to now be what's called economically healthy. That's what he was trying to say there, right? And he says that to achieve this position, we need to diversify not, ju um, not just the economy, but the economic framework from natural resources to human resources. Okay, that one is my own contribution, right? That for us to achieve that, we need to diversify our economic framework from natural resources to human resources, right? In investing in people, right? So we would need to diversify our efforts from building employable youths. Remember I said the problem with young people's talent development in Africa is not about them being unemployable, is that there's no enabling environments for actual talent development here in Africa, here in Nigeria. So it's about, it's about the, the employment environment, not about the employment itself. Young people are actually employable. It's just that they've not been hosted in an environment where getting the right skills is what is the reality of the day. As I said, don't just conform to narratives. Question the narrative. When, when you see data saying Nigerian people are, uh, um, young people are unemployable, don't just drink it like Zobo. Question, why did they say that? Because most times what they're referencing is that currently young people are unemployable, but the real problem is not about their unemployability. It's about the environment that's supposed to be designed for their employability that doesn't exist, that is dysfunctional. That is the actual problem. So young people are not the problem. The environment is the problem. So I said, we need to diversify our efforts. So all these um, skills, development, all those things. Yeah, it's a good solution, but it's not a long-term solution because skills will change. Uh, I, as I said, I remember having that argument with my friend that um, the future was not technology, but the, but, the, but, the business, but the business of technology, right? And what I told him was, you know, all of the code that people are writing today, right? Um, now, this is not a perfect reference, right? It is not an area that I'm most versed in, right? I'm Luddite, right? So I've read articles where it says that, you know, AI will not actually, you know, displace coders and programmers from their jobs because of, because of the major concept of design, right? That um, AI, you know, um, AI cannot, you know, displace the, the human factor for, of design with code. Yeah, that is very possible, right? But what is, what, what, but, what, but what it will still do is that it's going to what, displace the value of programming. Right, because once employers can pay for the next technology, it will make 
the next skill redundant. For example, guys in data science, if you're not going into data analysis and the rest, right? Imagine the future when AI starts to work, do the data cleaning and arrangement and all of that. That means your job will just be rendered useless, right? Just the way like clocks and um, typewriting was just displaced once there was keyboard and all of that. So that's simply what I'm saying, right? That um, to do this, young people need to be empowered to create, yeah, okay. So I was saying we need to be diverse on building and play. So all these skill development, um, trainees and all of that is a good solution, but it is a short-term solution. That's what I'm trying to say. Create an enabling environment where these things are even normally accessible, right? Then you can see real progress, real change. Because skills, people need to develop their human capacity first before they can develop their skills. How can you teach somebody how to program when he doesn't know how to think? That's simply what I'm saying. Where you've not created an enabling environment. Like now, most people in the program cannot properly send an email or properly communicate. And we're trying to, to give them resources to create an economy. It's a problem. Right? So we need to create an environment where people are even on the basic or basic level humanly, their human capacity developed before they can now be given skills and then their comp competences can now be what upgraded. We need to empower people to where first be what self-sufficient. That's how Singapore did it. They have to first increase the natural intelligence of people in Singapore. Um, Lee Kuan Yew, you know, from third world to first, right? You should, need, you should read that book, right? They have to develop what human, basic human capacity and tendencies first before they could develop their economy. That's what I'm, I'm proposing, right? So we need to diversify our efforts from building employable youth to building what productive youth. So it's not about employable youth, it's about what productive youth, youth that can create, youth that can that can adapt to change. That's what I'm saying. So youth that can creatively solve their local problems, sustainable global solutions. Because even most times you find out that most most problems in your in your community doesn't even need tech. So all this focus on programming, programming is 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 a great stuff, as I'm saying. But on the long, it's just a short-term goal. Right in the in the next five to ten years, we'll be thinking of what's the next stage of programming. So people will need skills again. But when you create people who are productive, where a guy can learn code today and solve problems, when a new code, when when a new when a new when a new um, sorry about that. So when a new project comes. So when a new project comes, um, sorry about that, that really disrupted. What I'm trying to say is that, uh, let me just go back into the article, sorry about that. Yeah, that we need to empower young people. So imagine a, a, new, a programmer, right, who understands code, right? When a new language comes, he's intelligent enough to adapt. That is the conversation. So we need more, um, we need, more, we need more productive youths than employable youths. That's simply what I was trying to say there, right? So this economy can be developed by creating an ecosystem that can host a sustainable and environment for businesses to thrive through business leadership, right? At this point of economic discourse, I think it is both counterintuitive and counterproductive to try to grow an emerging economy with sustainable, vibrant markets dominated by a consumer class that is young without creating a system for them to be part of the economic value system. Value system. That is, how can we expect to grow when people who consume the value the most aren't part of creating the value? So this simply means that, you know, Nigeria has been defined, Africa has been defined as an emerging market because it has a lot of consumers, right? 
But how can we develop an economy if the people that are consuming are not part of the creation of the value? That's simply what I was trying to say there, right? So this is the same premise explored in this tweet by one of Africa's most brilliant emerging business leaders that I respect so much, Oluyomi Ojo. I saw this tweet, right? He said, blacks are huge consumers. If you are truly serious about collecting their money, start hiring them and start funding black founders. You know, this was something that Oluyomi Ojo said, and I strongly resonate with it. And it was, you know, it was perfect as a reference for this conversation. So the economic case for a transformative economy means the two spheres of the undergraduate community, which is what the economic class and innovation class need to start gaining access to economic power, both as creators and consumers, right? So we need to just change the conversation from not just having them as consumers, but what as creators also. So imagine the youngest and most popular, popular segment of our independent population, that is undergraduates being resourced enough to attend to their social economic needs. Graduating as members of the society with economic power that will dramatically re-engineer the economic landscape of, 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 of countries across Africa, right? So Africa is currently under-optimized because of this reason, and this reason most especially. The largest portion of the population is poor. That is, a major percentage of the young people are poor. So I left, I left some resources there for you to read. In simpler terms, right? Students need to start graduating with money, access through an economic engine in their universities, even if they didn't build a startup or business within this proposed economic model to increase the national disposable income per capita. Now, what this simply means is that we need to increase, right, the basic per capita income of every single, of, 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 the, of the young population for it to directly affect our economy. They don't have to create, right, but we need to just create this engine as proposed by the Venture Ministry for the Future of Africa for this reality to become something that, you know, is tangible. So for that to become a reality, we need to focus on one thing, what productivity, that is exploring business cases by solving challenges, creating and exchanging value, making life better, creating sustainable solutions through entrepreneurship. This is the proposition of the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa, armed, at, armed, at bridge, armed to bridge the gap between entrepreneurial enthusiasm and the tools for navigating the value creation ecosystem through an enabling environment built for undergraduate communities across tertiary institutions in Africa. So what this simply means is that there's entrepreneurial enthusiasm, right? But we need to bridge the gap because enthusiasm will not just solve anything. We need to also now bridge the gap to what, where enthusiasm meets what resources and tools, right? That is why... Venture capital is very instrumental to, to making this happen, right? So productivity, private, vector, private, and, and, uh, private and equity venture capital, right? Uh, private equity, sorry. Um, venture capital is what we need for this to happen, right? So productivity is a product of interactions with the value creation environment hosted within an ecosystem designed for value creation. Right, that is, that is simple to understand, right? We've talked about this, right? That is the interaction of value creation environment and you know an enabling environment and the ecosystem and rise of institutions that what that, that that would give us what productivity right so the sole medium of productivity is value creation and value creation is a result of entrepreneurship not the creation of more jobs so creating more jobs will not solve our problem right but creating more entrepreneurs right but grooming of more entrepreneurs so we need to groom more entrepreneurs especially more social entrepreneurs to what increase our social standing right so that when we create economic change it is more sustainable right that's what it's simply trying to say so this way we would have a bottom-up economy where the government is funded by the people through taxation instead of the current top-down economy where the government collects rents and duties from the credit from the sweat credit labor of their people so right now that's why you have an economy where poor people are taxed higher than rich people right 
Um, so that I'm trying to say that here we need to create an economy where people, the average man, right, is 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 economically empowered to what sponsor the government through taxes, right? Because what is creating value and they can what pay taxes. That's really what this is is trying to say, right? So a transformative economy is a predictable economy, right? That's one economy. That's one trait of a transformative economy. You can predict it because you know what it is. You know, you know, you know the underlying variables that are creating it, and you know what is sustaining it, right? So one one established through the venture matrix as outlined, one established through the venture matrix that outlined from series two to series five holds the keys to unlocking the prosperous destiny of, of Africa. This is a clarion call to the main character in this narrative, which can tell intuitively is the deterrent that is the undergraduate community. So this is a clarion call to the undergraduate community. We need more of the undergraduate community to be awakened to this truth, which before today was the most underserved and passive stakeholder in the value creation ecosystem of the economic value chain and national economic development you know, process and plan. That's what makes this proposition disruptive. We are trying to explore the most sustainable approach to explosive macroeconomic growth and development through what a microeconomic revolution. So what it simply, simply, what it simply means in simple English is that we are trying to do something at the local level to affect us at the national level, you know, economically speaking. So in the last series, series uh, in, in, that, in last series seven, uh, titled Ego, I'll be leading the concluding conversation about the central ideas discussed in this publication project using Obafemi Awolo University as the case for the implementation of the venture matrix for the future of Africa, the investment and venture climate, and the economic indicators for deploying the venture matrix. So we've come to, to the end of today's session. Thank you so much for joining in. I hope you've been inspired. I hope your eyes have been um, illuminated with the why we need to do this now and the prospects of us doing this and how it will it will, it will radically change um, the, the narrative about Africa. Thank you so much and have a great day.